You're listening to episode 16 of the Floxy Hope Podcast. You are listening to the Floxy Hope Podcast. My name is Lisa Plumquist Palmer. I just got married recently, just getting used to the name change. And today we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Amber. You could read her story that she wrote out about her uh, floxing and her subsequent recovery on floxyhope.com. But for those of you who are auditory learners and who just prefer to hear people's stories auditorily, she has generously offered to come on the podcast as well. So welcome, Amber. Thank you for coming on. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate your willingness to come in and share your insight with the audience who downloads this podcast. So why don't you just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, my name's Amber. Um, I'm currently 31. When I was boxed, I was 27. Um, I'm a flight attendant. I've been doing that for 10 years. Um, I still flew the whole time while I was boxed, and uh, it was definitely a trying experience to be in the air 25 hours a week and um, trying to heal. Oh, I'll bet it was. I have another Foxy friend who is actually interested in coming on the podcast, who's a flight attendant as well, and unfortunately, he had to take about, I want to say, two years off. So um, congratulations for being able to continue to work while you were going through this. But, um, and not that it's anything against him that he wasn't able to work, but I know that that must have been incredibly hard. It's, it's much harder um, being in the air and flying. Um, I can definitely understand why he needed to take time off. It's not a normal job where it's a nine to five position. You're working anywhere between 10 to 16 hours a day um, going up and down really takes a toll. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just notice from personally flying like as a consumer that it's hard on your immune system. You know, last time I flew, I got impounded. Like basically I had a head cold and it went into my sinuses and it gave me a week long headache. That was the worst headache I've ever had. And so, I mean, that's just from one little flight, you know, much less doing it for a living. so, right. Yeah. And, and you can't always eat the way that, um, that Floxy say that you should eat. Um, gluten-free for me was never an, an option. I think I tried it for maybe a week and I missed my carbs a lot and, uh, I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't do it. I give props to the people who can really go gluten-free in this. Yeah, absolutely. So before we start talking about dietary changes and things like that, let's talk about your story. Can you tell us a bit more about how you got floxed and what exactly happened to you? Um, Well, I came home from work one day and I realized that I was getting a urinary tract infection. I went to a doctor right near my house. Um, They did a test. Uh, They said, you have a UTI. Now, anyone who's ever gotten one, you don't need a test. You just know. So he um, gave me Cipro. I didn't think anything of it. Um, It was a 10-day course. I think I got to pill seven, and it was starting to upset my stomach. And that's when I stopped taking it. 
do you know how many milligrams it was? I can't remember right off the top of my head, um, but I just know that it was a 10-day course because I thought that was very strange to take something for so long for something so routine. And especially with fluoroquinolones. Like a three-day course is probably more appropriate. I mean, not that there are some people who get knocked down by one single pill, um, much less a 10-day course. But a 10-day course certainly seems excessive. So anyhow, after your seventh pill or the seventh day taking the pills, you started to get an upset stomach. Then what happened? Um, Once I got an upset stomach, I just stopped them. Um, I had a delayed reaction. So my first reaction uh, was two weeks later. And I was getting uh, sciatic nerve pain. Um, I didn't think, I just didn't think anything of it. Um, I thought maybe I hurt my leg. So I took it easy. um, And that went away. So that was the very first symptom that I had. And from there, it kind of just snowballed. So my first pill was in um, end of October, beginning of November. So we'll say roughly November 2nd. I had nerve pain uh, probably three weeks after my first pill. And then in December, I had a itchy spot on my foot. I thought I had a fungus on my foot from a hotel. Um, that went away probably after a week. Um, and then in January, February, um, I woke up one morning and my hand was tingling. Um, so that was when probably three months later is when my severe reaction started. And what were your symptoms of your severe reaction? Um, I had the neurological issues. Um, I had 25 different symptoms going on at one time, um, and they would cycle. So I would have tingling, numbness, twitching. um, My throat would feel tight. um, I lost some hair. um, My eyes would hurt. They would twitch. Um, I used eye drops constantly, um, thinking that my eyes were just dry. Um, I would get headaches. Um, I would feel lightheaded. Um, and the list just goes on. It was so many different things that would cycle and flare constantly. I would wake up every day and think, what new symptom am I going to have today? So how did you connect what you were going through to the Cipro? Since you had such a long delayed reaction, I think that there are a lot of people who don't put together the puzzle pieces. And um, frankly, there are probably a lot of people who just go like, oh, delayed reactions, that's impossible. And I think that with this advocacy work, we're really getting out the word that these delayed reactions are possible. And so hopefully more people will put together the puzzle pieces and realize that, hey, the cause and effect can have some time in between them. So um, so thank you for telling your story of your delayed reaction, but kind of sorry to go off on a little bit of a tangent. But yeah, how did you put together? Um, 
actually didn't put it together for a year later. Um, I went to a neurologist. Um, as soon as you say you get numb and tingly, um, Google was not your friend. So the neurologist was basically scaring me. I got um, blood work, MRIs with and without contrast. Um, everything came out clean. And her response was, sometimes you just get tingly. I'm like, this this can't be right. So um, I went to another neurologist, got tests after tests. Everything came back clean. Um, and she said to me, she said, do you have anxiety? I said, well, um, I've had anxiety since all this has, has happened. And I've never... Uh, had anxiety before I just let things roll off and all of a sudden um, I would get hot flashes um, I would get feel like I had a sunburn all over me so sun exposure made it worse um, but whenever she told me when I said yeah I, I do have anxiety she said okay I'm going to refer you to a behavioral health specialist and I said, I'm not crazy. This is really happening. And she said, well, there's nothing that we can do right now. Why don't you come back? And at that point, I was not coming back. I was just done. So I started to research different things that could cause it. Um, I actually ran into the first site that I ever saw, which is scary. Um, the Cipro is poison site. Um, and that's when I really connected the dots of what happened. Right. Right. And, you know, Jeff's, Jeff's site, the cipro.poison.com. Like, I think a lot of people figure out what's going on with them by finding that site. And, uh, you know, bless his heart. I, I hope he, I hope he does end up recovering one of these days. I think he's still in a bit of a world of, a world of hurt, but, um, yeah, it is. It is scary, but his story is true um, for for him. So, uh, but you were luckier. You did manage to recover. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your recovery journey and just like the things that you tried after you found Cipro is poison, and whether or not you went to doctors and asked them about the Cipro connection? Um, after. I looked at that site and then I found um, the Facebook site too and I talked to great people on there who didn't make me feel crazy, who made me feel like these symptoms that I had were a real symptom where um, doctors are very easy to brush it off. I mean, we all know that they don't want to acknowledge that a drug can do this, especially when you have a delayed reaction. So I started going to um, homeopathic, and he actually never really heard of it, um, but he believed me. So he started me on um, different supplements, um, magnesium, B6, B12, um, a variety of them. And for me, knowing what was wrong with me was half of my issues. It was no longer wondering and um, seeing if I had this horrible disease that was never going to go away. For, for me, knowing was enough hope 
that I think that kept me going more than anything else. Um, supplement wise, I think magnesium has helped me the most. Um, I believe in that a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think that both the, just knowing what's going on and the acknowledgement that you mentioned getting from the other people in the Floxy community, I think that that can be really huge as well, you know, and when doctors brush people off because they have anxiety, I mean, that's just so bizarre to me now because anxiety is a symptom that something else is going wrong. It's not, it doesn't mean that, oh, all of a sudden this is all because of anxiety or it's just anxiety or it's just all in your head. Like, first off, what's in your head is important and anxiety is a serious and severe symptom that should be paid attention to. It's not a sign that people should be brushed off and I don't understand why so many doctors just brush people off as soon as they hear anxiety. And they, they most certainly do. I mean, my biggest advice for people is to definitely um, do what you can do. I didn't have the tendon issues, so that's something I don't really know a whole lot about. But I still went and worked out. I still... Um, went to school. Um, I still worked as, as much as I could. I mean, I was supporting myself. Um, just don't give up everything you enjoy just because you're hurt by something. Um, I still, I was probably a very bad foxy with um, my eating and my drinking habits. I didn't give any of those up as much as I probably should have. So that would have probably have helped my recovery a little bit faster. So what was your timeline? Um, probably the, I would say the first couple months were very confusing. The next year was probably the toughest. Um, I was still getting random symptoms would pop up, but other symptoms went away, such as my very bad headaches. I didn't get those as often. Um, the eye pain wasn't as severe. Um, the throat, how your throat feels like it's closing up went away. So I, I would say the major, the pain issues, um, the itchiness in my foot that would drive me crazy at night, um, all of the major things went away and it would be small things like um, twitching and the sunburning sensation and things like that that you can still deal with that are annoying, but you could still deal with it. So I'm going to say year two was the turning point that I started to feel myself again. And this will be um, year three that I feel good. That's great. That's wonderful. So the supplements that you mentioned helped you, uh, you said you went to a homeopathic doctor. Were there some homeopathic remedies that he prescribed or she, sorry? Um, no, not really. Um, he was doing basically trial and error since he's never really heard of it. Um, I did listen to other people on the Facebook site about what helped them. Um, Epsom salts worked for me uh, tremendously whenever I would twitch. Um, 
but no, no homeopathic things. Okay. Yeah, a couple of people have inquired about homeocipro, and I'm never sure exactly what to tell them because I've heard from some people who have said that it helped them and other people who said, no way, that scares me, um, not touching that with a 10-foot pole. So I'm not entirely sure what to think about it. Um, but So I was just kind of wondering if you had experience with that. But uh, you know, the supplement route is certainly a perfectly valid one. And yeah, when I twitch, the uh, magnesium certainly helps to get rid of the twitching for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it um, helps you sleep. Yep. Did you by chance get your thyroid checked? Oh man. Um, Yes. Um, That was a test very early on. And what were the results? Um, It was in the lower range but still good I believe okay okay there's an interesting website that you might want to look at the listeners may want to look at it's fluoroquinolonethyroid.com and the author has tons of information about the connections between fluoroquinolone toxicity and it being an, an endocrine disruptor that specifically attacks the thyroid so um, her thyroid axis got really, really messed up by taking Cipro, and it was just debilitating. Um, she had symptoms that were like yours, um, and plus, plus quite a few. I, I did lose some weight, um, but I don't know if it was due to the Cipro or if it was due to, I mean, just stress in general, but I do hear that many lose um, tremendous amounts. But I think it was just due to stress. Yeah. Yeah, people tend to go one way or the other. Either they lose a bunch of weight or they gain a bunch of weight. And we tend to hear from the people who lose a bunch of weight and the people who gain a bunch of weight tend to be a little bit quieter about it. But um, yeah, like it's certainly a symptom that something is going wrong in your body when you're putting on a whole lot of weight or if you're losing a whole lot of weight. Like I lost weight as well. Not a huge amount, but certainly my digestive tract did not feel like working anymore. No, and I felt that way too. Um, I was going through a divorce at the time, so it could have been a mix of things. Right, right. And uh, I, I think that things compound on each other. You know, it's not just anxiety, but anxiety certainly doesn't help. And it's not just stress, but stress do- certainly doesn't help. And I've certainly found that my capacity for handling stress is lower post flocks than it was before I got boxed. So, you know, these things just, they compound on each other, they add in on each other and whatnot. So um, what what other treatments did you do or what other advice would you like to share with people? Uh, I can't really think of any other treatments besides telling myself that this can't last forever. Um, my My best advice is to just not give up and still try to enjoy your life to the best that you can. And I know sometimes that that sounds so hard that um, you're in so much pain and you really want to go out and do things and be with your spouse or with your children. Um, Just don't let this consume your life. Yeah. I think that that's excellent advice. And of course, it's more um, 
feasible for some people than for than for others. But you know, I always tell people like just do something that you enjoy. You know, even if that's like just watching a movie that you like or reading a book that you like or listening to some music or getting out in the sunshine or just doing something that makes you happy, like petting your dog, petting your cat. You know, one of the stories up on Foxy Hope is from Gigi and she notes how she adopted a dog and how her dog just saved her life. And I think that, that there's really something to that, just finding something that you enjoy doing and kind of concentrating on the goodness in life rather than the bomb going off because the bomb is terrifying but those anxiety cycles really do add in on each other and make everything Um, worse I agree completely anxiety makes your symptoms seem way worse too right And, and so the main thing that helped your anxiety was just kind of telling it to go away and doing and magnesium Pretty much, um, of, of course, um, doctors try to give me pills for anxiety. Um, they try to give me prescriptions for pain. Um, to me, covering up my symptoms wasn't going to help me. I don't, I don't see how that was going to help me in, in the long run. Um, my anxiety was just basically having to tell myself over and over to calm down. Yeah. Yeah, and, and same. Like, as, as soon as I realized that the pills are what hurt me, I'm like, well, pills aren't going to help me. So, um, and, and frankly, like, when I went to the doctors, they had no idea how to put me back together again. So I was like, okay, the system doesn't know how to fix me. Um, I'm, I'm not going to trust pharmaceuticals anymore. And maybe that's not the most re- rational response in the world, but certainly it seems like, people who steer far away from pharmaceuticals may tend to fare a bit better than the people who don't. But then again, you know, the people who don't maybe flocks a little bit worse than the people who are able to steer away from pharmaceuticals. So, you know, not to be wishy-washy, but I want to give empathy to the people who are flocks worse than you or I were. Yeah, there's there's definitely um, people out there who are way worse than what I am but I've noticed um, since I wrote the Lofty Hope uh, since I was on that site um, people from all over have emailed me or found me on Facebook and um, a lot of people just want to know that they're going to be okay and most people do recover Um, it's, it's amazing how many actually do recover after you've been down so far. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that just hearing you're going to be okay is valuable. Um, and I try to tell people like, Hey, you're going to be okay. And you know, do I know that for an absolute fact? Like, no, of course I don't know that for a fact, but like, it's, I think it's a whole lot more helpful to tell people like, you know, being okay is possible, recovery is possible, than it is to say, oh, well, you're poisoned, give up now. Like, that's, that's just mean. Like, that's cruel. I would never yeah. say that to someone. Yeah. You can't give up, um, even when it's very bad. And uh, we've all been, we all have different perceptions of what very bad is. But when it's very bad for you, you just can't give up. And it's, it, it's 
it's really breaks my heart to read so many different um, posts on Facebook of people who are just so ill and um, just really want to give up and you just can't. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. And yeah, the, for each of us that has gone through this and who has realized that they've been floxed, you know, it's, it's a bomb that has gone off in our body. And I think you're absolutely right. Like everyone's journey, you know, it was hard. Um, yes. Yes. And I, and I didn't know, I didn't even know what was happening. So I was taking Advil and Tylenol and doing all these things that maybe I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always, it's always hard to tell, you know, can't go back and like not have that beer, but or that no, Advil never, or whatever. I'll never regret the beer. <laughs> no. So, so how, how is your life now? Would you say that your life has changed in ways good or bad? I think my life has changed in a very positive direction. I mean, um, I'm more aware of uh, pharmaceuticals. I'm more aware of the foods that I eat. Um, I eat cleaner than what I did before. Um, I, anytime I go to the doctor for anything and they want to give me a prescription, I research that prescription up and down before I take it. And you really start to realize that um, a lot of prescriptions have black box warnings on them, things I wouldn't even think about. I'm like, oh, wow, this probably shouldn't be trying this one out. Um, I work out every day now. Um, I feel 100 times better now than what I did before. I have a more positive outlook. I feel good when I can help other people get through this because I was so lost and confused for so long that I feel like I need to help other people by telling them things that I didn't know. And that's really appreciated. Like, thank you for telling your story and thank you so much for coming onto the, onto the podcast. Yeah. I think that what you just mentioned about, um, just revising your opinion of pharmaceutical drugs like that absolutely happened with me too you know if an antibiotic can do this much damage to us like like it just it it revised my perspective it made me realize that drugs are dangerous and all of those side effects those side effects are real and they can be permanent they can be debilitating they can be delayed and honestly, like when you hear those commercials and the commercials say, well, talk to your doctor if blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. They don't tell you that your doctor won't know what to do or will deny the reaction or um, just won't be able to put you back together again after you have an adverse reaction. And I wouldn't have known that. Like I wouldn't have had any clue about how dangerous pharmaceuticals are before I, before this happened to me. And I think in some ways that's, a blessing, you know, it'll keep me from getting poisoned in the, in the future. Yes. I say that every, every day that I think that, um, if, if this wouldn't have happened to me now, I'm sure it would have happened to me at some point in my life since doctors hand them out so frequently. 
that at some point I would have taken this drug and uh, maybe not have healed and maybe have been in a different state of my life that I wouldn't have been able to take enough time out for me because I could sleep when I uh, felt like sleeping. If I wanted to sleep 10 hours whenever I was off, I most certainly could. And not everyone can do that. And I was very fortunate to um, be able to take the time out for me that I could. Right. And I always think that I can save my loved ones from going through the same thing that I went through as well. And I think that that is valuable too. Has your, has your family been supportive? Have they, have they, yeah, good. Yeah. Um, my mom was supportive. Um, she was, she was very confused at first and scared just like how I was. Um, when we figured it out, um, she told every doctor that she has that she can't have these drugs. Um, I want to say my boyfriend at the time, um, you know, with some people, um, unless it's happening to them, they don't really know uh, how to react. Right. And people may think that you're exaggerating. Um, but once we figured it out, he was never unsupportive, but he got more supportive once I started to put the dots together. Because basically you're going to these uh, doctor after doctor and you're not getting a response. And to some people... Um, that might seem like maybe you're doing it for attention. Um, but really, once you can prove something to someone, I think it works out a little bit easier for them to comprehend. Yeah, just getting some sort of answers, you know? Like, like we, just as a culture, look at doctors for so much authority. And, you know, if the doctor says, oh, well, all of your tests come out clean, like you're fine. And that disconnects with reality. I think that that's a really difficult thing for a lot of people to understand. You know, like when the doctor says you're fine and you go, but no, I'm falling apart. And, you know, some people will, instead of listening to you, listen to the doctor and say like, no, you're fine. Like, no, you don't understand though. And it's hard. It's really hard for, for loved ones. It is. Um, one of the first issues that I had when I said my hand uh, was twitching and going numb, um, I went to work flying uh, the, the next day. And the guy that I'm seeing, um, he works with me also. So I was having issues so much that the numbness was going to my face. So I called my doctor, and I was in the middle of a trip, and I called off um, mid-trip. So the whole crew didn't really understand because the doctor basically said, you could be having a stroke. It said, I think I'm having a stroke, but I need to go home. So um, I delayed the flight 10 hours. <laughs> so needless to say, the crew didn't really understand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's hard. That's but that was not one of the first ones when I went to the emergency room because I didn't know. Okay. And then were you, after you got out of the emergency room, did you get back on the flight and start working again just no. 10 hours later? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I flew home. Okay. Okay. So I stayed home. Yeah. Okay. That's... 
that's probably best. <laughs> so anyhow, um, do you have anything else that you would like to share that you'd like to say? Any pep talks, advice, anything? Just don't give up. That's the biggest advice that I could give you. Yeah. Yeah, there will be that light at the end of the tunnel and just, you know, it's it's a very scary journey. And um yeah, I agree with that. Don't give up. That's that's the biggest thing. All right. Well, um <coughs> Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, Amber. And thank you for both your written story and for your willingness to be on the podcast to tell your story this way as well. Um, Should people, do you want to tell people that they can contact you through writing a comment on the site or if they have questions, what should they do? Yeah. um, Any questions, um, you can comment on the site. you can look me up on Facebook, I guess, Amber Murray. Um, I guess that would also be one of the easiest ways to find me. Okay, wonderful. And if people have trouble finding Amber, then they could also just click the contact link on foxyhope.com and send me an email and then I can facilitate a connection. So um, again, thank you so much, Amber, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, you too.